Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. So this is Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. The calling of the first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, They were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. So Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11 is all about Jesus calling his first disciples, especially Peter, to, to come and follow him, to come and be a disciple. Now, this account of Jesus calling Peter uh, that includes this miraculous catch of fish is unique to Luke's gospel. The other gospels don't mention the bit about the miraculous fish, catch of fish. But what, what we really learn here from this account is how not only God calls his first disciples, but how he also calls us to be his follower. And so in verse 1 we read, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> uh, now that, that's another name for the, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you know that big lake in the northern part of Israel, the Sea of Galilee. And the people were crowding around him. It, it literally says that the, the people were pressing in on him. Why? Why were they pressing in? Well, they were wanting to listen to the Word of God. And so what we discover here is that Jesus is once again teaching, but not in a synagogue this time, but out by the the Sea of Galilee. And once again, a massive crowd has come, and they're all pushing in to get as close as they can to hear the Word of God. And the fact that it uses the phrase, the Word of God, means they've realized that he's not just a great rabbi, 
They believe he's a prophet who speaks the very word of God. They've probably heard his teaching and probably have seen or at least heard of his miracles. And so they believe he's a prophet and they've come because they want to hear the very words of God. And we read in verse 2, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it means it's the end of the day. They've been out fishing all night, and now they've rowed back to shore. They've come ashore. They've pulled in their nets, and they're cleaning their nets uh, to prevent them from being damaged and, and to ensure that everything's ready for the next day. It's the end of the day. If it was you, it's, uh, you're cashing up the till, you're switching off the lights, you're closing the door. It's the end of the day. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Simon Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, well, Jesus has been quite resourceful. You see, there's this massive crowd of people who have all come to him to hear him preach, and they're all pressing in, and and so the people at the back can't hear. And they're all trying to get closer to hear, but because they're all pressing in on him, the acoustics don't really work very well. So, so if you're in the front row, it's great. You can hear, but nobody else can hear anything. So over here, Jesus is improvising. And what he's actually doing, uh, as we'll see, is creating a natural amphitheater. He, he, he grabs Peter's boat. Uh, he... he he already knows Peter. Uh, he's already met Peter. He's already healed Peter's mother-in-law in chapter 4. So Peter owes him. So he grabs Peter's boat and tells Peter to push, push off from the shore a little bit. So we need to imagine the scene. Uh, everybody, this massive crowd on the slope of a bay, of an inlet, all the way around, making like the semicircle. And Jesus is kind of in the middle, just off the shore on the water. And with the, the aid of the water, which functions as in a great acoustic, he has created a natural amphitheater. Uh, do you know how water is a great acoustic, how sound can just sort of travel over the water? If you've ever been on a lake, uh, you can just talk in a normal voice, and people on the opposite side can, can hear you, because it's a great, a great acoustic. So he's created a natural amphitheater. So Jesus is fully into the latest technology of his day. Uh, he's using the latest technology in order to ensure everybody can hear him. He's magnifying his message. You see, Jesus wants everyone to hear the Word of God. And that's why we use all the latest technology. We've got a lovely sound system. We have a loop system. We've got a PowerPoint. We broadcast onto Zoom. We have a podcast and a YouTube channel because we want everyone to hear the Word of God. But take note of a couple of things. Firstly, Jesus goes out to meet Peter where he is. Jesus doesn't wait for Peter to come to synagogue, to come to church, but rather he goes to where Peter is, fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And then also take note, what is the first thing Jesus says to Peter? Does Jesus go up to Peter and say, Peter, you should really follow me. Your life will be so much better if you follow me. I have got so much to give you. I've got so much to offer you. Your life will be so much better if you follow me. Does he say that? No. Rather, he asks for help. 
He says, Peter, I need help from you. I need you to help me. I, I can't do this without you. I need your boat. In, in order for me to speak to everyone, I, I need your boat. And I need your boating skills. I can't do the whole boat thing. I'm from inland Nazareth, so I'm going to need your skill set and your boat and your expertise to help me. I can't do this without you. Will you help me? Now, of course, hypothetically, Jesus probably could have walked out on the lake by himself and created the natural amphitheater all by himself, but he chooses to work with us. And therefore, he can't do it by himself. He needs Peter's skill set. He needs Peter's expertise and Peter's boat in order to preach to all these people. And God needs your skill set and your expertise. And when God comes to call you, he comes and meets you where you are. And he says, I need your help. I need you. I need your skill set. Will you help me? I can't do this without you. And at the end of verse 3, it says, And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. In those days, rabbis would sit down to preach and teach. I kind of like that. I'm thinking about introducing it here. Maybe get myself a nice chair. But the big point over here is that Jesus has completely transformed Peter's boat Peter's skill set, Peter's everyday work experience into an effective pulpit for Jesus. He's transformed his everyday work experience into a life-giving, life-transforming experience. And God wants to do that for your everyday experience. Your everyday reality. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now you kind of expect Jesus at this point to say, hey Pete, thanks so much, I really couldn't do it without you, buddy. Uh, and that kind of be in the end. But, but Jesus kind of goes, uh, well, I've got a good idea. Let's go fishing. How how long have you been working for? All night. How tired are you? Exhausted. How many fish did you catch? Nothing. I've got a good idea. Let's go fishing right now in the middle of the day out in the deep water. And, and Pete, like, like, Jesus is not a fisherman, right? Okay? He doesn't know anything about fishing. He, he's a, a rabbi, a theologian. His dad's a carpenter from inland Nazareth. What does he know about fishing? Nothing. Peter is a seasoned fisherman. His dad, his granddad, his great-granddad, all fishermen. He's got a whole fishing fleet. He's a fishing captain. He knows when is the best place, where's the best place, and when's the best time. And he knows the best time to fish is at night, not in the middle of the day, and the best place to fish is in the shallow water near the shore where the fish are, not out in the deep. So Jesus' suggestion is absurd, completely absurd. And so Simon, in verse 5, is really tired, and he says, Master, boss, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. 
He's kind of saying like, boss, we've been at this all night. We're tired. We're exhausted. We've just cleaned the nets. Please don't let us go out again. Look, you rabbis think you know everything. But we're the professionals. We're the experts here. I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter, come theologian. What do you know about fishing? We know this is the worst time and the worst place to go fishing. How many of you find it really hard to take advice and to trust God in your area of expertise? When someone tries to give you advice, you're like, yeah, actually, you know, actually, I'm quite good at this. I've got, the, you know, we all have an area that we're good at, that we're an expert in, and, and, and it's kind of hard uh, to take advice or to take, a, you know, to trust someone. You're kind of like, hey, look, I know you, God, but I'm not really good at this. And, uh, you know, sometimes God asks us to do something that seems absurd simply because he wants to show us that he's God. I remember a number of years ago, they had a, what they called a mission to Wales. And it was a whole lot of people from different churches who were all going to go out on the street and tell people about Jesus and ask them if they would like to pray a prayer to ask God to forgive them and ask Jesus into their life. And I was like, okay, God, look, this is, I, I'm pretty good at this. I mean, this is my area of expertise. And, and I can tell you this is not going to work. We've tried this before. We've tried this before. It doesn't work. But because you ask in, all right, we'll do it. And within one week, across Wales, there were about 3,000 people prayed that prayer. And we're like, okay, so you're God, I'm not. And that's kind of what Peter's like. He ends up saying, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. He's basically saying, this is an absurd stupid idea. But because I respect you, I'll do it. Because you say so, Jesus, I'll do it. And Jesus seemed to have that kind of impression on people that even hard-working, no-nonsense fishermen respected him. And then the climax, verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I can just imagine Jesus smiling and saying, I told you we should go fishing. You're going to need bigger nets. <laughs> Verse 7, So they signaled to their partner in the other boat to come and help them. So Peter's got a whole fleet of boats. And, and, and they came and they filled both boats so full they began to sink. That's a good day fishing, yes? Okay, I mean, they've just hit the jackpot. Uh, their, their nets are full, their nets are breaking, their boats are sinking. This is, like, this is like winning the lottery. This is the greatest, biggest payday Peter's ever experienced. What does this show you? It shows us that sometimes we just need to trust God and do what he says. Verse 8, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Just like Isaiah the prophet in the temple in Isaiah chapter 6. 
As soon as he realizes that he's in the presence of holiness, he's, he becomes aware of how unclean he is. And, and he, he becomes aware that, that he's so unworthy to come into the presence of God. And he calls Jesus Lord. No, no, he calls him Master Bus, but Lord. Which means he suddenly realizes that Jesus is far greater than a rabbi or even a prophet, that he's the Messiah. And in a mysterious way that Jesus somehow embodies the very presence of God. And he becomes aware of how sinful he is, how unworthy he is. And he says, I am a sinful man. The only qualification to be a follower of Jesus is to come to the realization that you're not qualified. <laughs> when you come to the realization that that you're not sorted, that you're not worthy, that you're not perfect, that you need help. As soon as you realize you're not qualified, you qualify. <laughs> because Jesus came to seek and save sinners. He came to seek and save the lost, those who knew they needed help. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. Jesus is basically saying, you qualify. You qualify. I've got great plans and purposes for your life. From now on, you and I, we're going to be working together. And you see, Jesus still wants and needs Peter's fishing skills. Peter's fishing skill set. He's kind of saying, well, Pete, you're good at catching fish. What about catching people? Pete, can you take everything you've learned from your fishing business, everything you've learned from life, can you bring all of that and can you use it, can you harness it and can you unleash it so that people can meet God, so that people can come into a relationship with Jesus and have their lives changed and transformed and have their whole eternal destiny changed? Can you fish for people? You see, there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more exciting than seeing people coming into a relationship with God, into a relationship with Jesus, and having their whole life changed and transformed. That's why I get so excited about ministry, and so excited about baptisms, and so excited about what God's doing in the life of our church. It's exciting when God starts changing people's lives. Nothing more exciting than fishing for people. And actually before that, Jesus is saying to Peter, let's change your whole life direction. There's more to life than making money. There's more to life than, than getting more fishing nets and more fishing boats and, more, and catching more fish. There's something of greater value, greater worth. And that's following Jesus and fishing for people. Verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything. What did they leave? Everything and followed him. I mean, that's, that's commitment. That's all in. I mean, if, if I was Peter, to be honest, I would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa just, just wait a second. I've just hit the jackpot. 
I've just got two boats full of fish. I, before I follow you, let, let me just sell these fish. I, I could buy a whole lot more boats. I could have a whole fleet, fishing fleet. We could make millions. And I know the secret spot now, thanks Jesus. And I've mapped it on, I've made a mark on the map. I've got the GPS coordinates. No one else knows about the secret spot. We're going to be millionaires. Let me just go ahead, set up this big business, make my million, have everything sorted, and then, Lord, I'm all in and I'm following you. Or at least just let me sell this fish, cash the money, put it in the bank, and then I've got to sell the nets. I've got to put that on eBay. That'll take a week or two. And then I've got to sell these boats. They, they're worth a lot. But once I've sold everything, got all the money in the, in the bank, and settled all my affairs, and everything's secure, and then I'm ready, and I'm all in. And I'll follow you. And what we're effectively saying to Jesus is, I, I'm, I'm all in to follow you, but... Let me first get everything sorted. I'm all in and I will follow you as long as it doesn't cost me anything. And Jesus is saying, it's going to cost you everything. Jesus demands everything. Now, it doesn't mean that we all have to resign from our jobs and go into full-time ministry. Though God may be calling some of you to that. But it does mean we all need to radically reorientate our values and our priorities. There's more to life than making money. There's more to life than you know, following Jesus is of more worth than two boatloads of fish. Following Jesus and seeing people coming into a relationship with Jesus, having their sins forgiven, being totally transformed and renewed and having an, an eternal destiny is of far more worth than some more money and climbing the career ladder. And to see that as our highest goal. Our highest goal is to love God to reach out to other people with the love of God is of the highest value and our highest goal. And so Jesus is saying to you, will you help me? I need you. I need your help. I need your skill set. Will you help me? Will you fish for people? Who is God calling you to speak to about Jesus? Will you reorientate your life's values and priorities? Will you leave everything to follow Jesus and fish for people. Let's pray. And as we pray, just reflect in the quietness of your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and just, just say, God, what are you saying to me this morning? What are you saying to me? What are you calling me to do?
How are you speaking to me through this passage? And after just reflecting on that question for a while, then say the next question is what are you going to do about it? If, if that's what God's saying to you, what are you going to do about it? And then in the quietness of your heart, commit that to God. And say, Lord, in response to what you say, I'm going to do this. I commit myself afresh to doing this. Whatever that is that God has put on your heart. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we don't have to be super spiritual to be qualified. In fact, the only qualification we need is a, a realization that we're unworthy. Unworthy of your love, your grace, unworthy of your high calling. But Father, we do want to say thank you for choosing us, thank you for calling us. And Father, we also confess that we are so attached to worldly things, money and career, popularity, whatever it is, that we sometimes find it hard to leave that and to follow you. We thank you for Peter's example. And Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would help us to be totally devoted to you and to follow you and to do whatever you say, even if it seems like an absurd thing. And we're complaining, Lord, this is my area of expertise. I know what I'm doing. Lord, help us to trust you and to follow you. And then, Lord, we pray that you would bless us, bless our ministry with a miraculous catch, not of fish, but of people. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.